like the hipsters of machines, you know, <laughs> yeah, like exactly. they're growing strawberries while other machines are growing humans, you yeah. know, they're not at the same level. Hipster machines. Dude, <laughs> don't make me hate this thing more. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the What's Up Verdict Podcast, where we fashion ourselves cinematic judge and Jerry. My name is JJ Crowder. I'm here with my co-host, Matson Heiner. Better red than dead. Javier Ortiz. What is up, my nerds? And Ian Anderson. Some shit. We appreciate your help growing the podcast. Go ahead and hit that follow or subscribe button. Tell a friend about us. Also, we're going to change this intro up a little bit. We want you to go and do give us a review. There's a few ways to do that now. Spotify now has a review option. We'd love a five-star from you. Uh, you can do a uh, review us at Apple Podcasts. We'd love to see some comments and a five star there, and then review us at Stitcher as well. So please jump in, give us a review. Really helps to grow the podcast. We really appreciate that. Thank you for that. Make sure you also go to our website, whatsoverdict.com, where you can listen to all of our episodes and especially sign up for our newsletter so we can send you some fun stuff. Question we always ask is if you ever find yourself wondering if you spend the time, money, or both on a movie. To help with that question, each week we put a movie on this, on trial, discuss the facts, pass judgment, and let you know our verdict. Today we're reviewing The Matrix Resurrections. It was released December 22nd, 2021. It was written by Lana, Lana Wachowski and David Mitchell. It was directed by Lana Wachowski. It stars Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss, Jessica Henwick, Yaya Abdul-Mateen, Jonathan Groff, Neil Patrick Harris, Priyanka Chopra Jonas, and Jada Pinkett-Smith. Return to a world of two realities, one everyday life, the other what lies behind it. To find out if his reality is a construct and to truly know himself, Mr. Anderson will have to choose to follow the White Rabbit once more. If you haven't seen this movie and you want to avoid spoilers, you can go check out our spoiler-free review on YouTube. The link's in our show notes. If you want to avoid them, pause the podcast, go watch the movie, pick up, come back, pick up where you left off. So we're about to spoil the shit out of this thing. So let's deep dive. I'm not going to lie. After my brother-in-law's like scathing review on my Facebook and hearing all the reviews and people talking about it, I thought I was going to really hate this. And I won't lie, like, I enjoyed the first hour of the movie. Like I said in the spoiler-free, I, it was surprising. Casey and I paused to go get some food and some water, and she had it like an hour and 10 minutes into the movie. And I sat down, and I looked at her and said, I, I'm not hating this. Like, <laughs> it was like I was expecting. So I guess one part that I, I guess I'm still not wrapping my head around is we leave the third movie. We're at a peaceful quote-unquote resolution with the machines and we've made a deal that anyone who wants to leave the matrix can yeah and so when we step into the third movie i guess i'm just not sure how we go about advertising to people that they are in a matrix and have the option to leave because that didn't seem like that was an option in this movie because we're still tricking people into staying Mm -hmm. but they make comments like people want to stay in the matrix they don't want to be saved like several times throughout the movie. So I, I'm unclear on how we're communicating this and what the real choice is, you know? Yeah, and I think that's... Good question. I think that's one of the things, to be honest with you, where this movie slowed down. And it's ironic because I don't... I usually hate, like, intro, like, dialogue that just introduces you. But if you're going to go 60 years after such a peaceful resolution... You know what I mean? Or a resolution of those proportions at the end of the third movie. I think you need a little introduction that says we've reached it. And they tried to do it when you talk to Niobe, when, when 
Neo gets back to the real world and he's talking to old lady Niobe. And Dude, she's how bad was that makeup? It's fucking terrible. <laughs> but I knew it was because I saw it. And they showed her in the preview and I'm like, oh, fuck, she looks horrid. So it's, yeah, it's one of those things where we needed some of that introduction of, to explain what you're, especially what you're talking about, the fact that, because they give the, look, some of the, the machines left and are now hanging out with the humans. So that mm. changed. And then there's like, you can see the city is massive compared to what Zion was. So this new city, Io, which I thought was very fucking lazy. You just take out two letters. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. That's what I thought too. And I was like, really? We went from Zion to just Io? Io? Okay. Yeah. I'm like, I'm glad I wasn't the only one thinking that. I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> the Z and the N are silent. Yeah. I was like, I was hmm. waiting for him to like fly into a sign or something that used to say Zion that only said <laughs> Io. And I'm like, no, geez. there's a, there's a second city called Zin. Yeah. You know, it's got the other letters. <laughs> so yeah, like that. And that was, I think where I started, I had a moment in the middle when, when Niobe's going through everything and she's talking about, Oh, I used to wake up in fear of, you know, I go to bed afraid that the sirens were going to go off and there was going to be more war. And, and she just turned into like, kind of a chicken shit right like we're not going to do anything so i think that's what they were trying to explain is that yes there was a treaty there the machines got a little desperate because they were lacking growth we didn't have the ability to grow things and so there was like all these wars internally and that's where we ended up where we're at now and then there's a piece and we just leave each other alone obviously they're in the matrix they can still pull people out but the machines kind of leave it alone with the exception of, but they didn't do a good enough job explaining where we were at. But I ignored that because I was just too, too so intrigued by this whole video game story and how they trapped Neo that I thought was interesting. Speaking of IO, one of the things that I did like is how much world building they did with describing like these new technologies and this is how we live now. So I will say like as much of the negative as I'm going to talk about, there are good parts of this movie that are entertaining and interesting. And that's one of them. Yeah, I do wish they dove more into the allied machines thing because mm -hmm. they explain yeah. the way with one line, which mm -hmm. is like not everyone wants to be in a place of power or whatever to basically describe that the machines aren't aligned in their lust for like power and domination, that there are machines that are just like, we like humans. And I wish there was a little bit more explanation there because that's really the only part to me that and like IO that those two points are really joined that changes the world from the third matrix to this matrix. And they mm -hmm. just glossed over yeah. it in like one or two lines, which changes the way that you look at the, machines because my mm -hmm. and maybe i was completely out of left field but in the original movies i kind of more pictured it as like you have this main ai and all the other stuff is like working to achieve the goals of this main ai whereas yeah. this one it makes it feel like every machine is individually thinking and processing on its own which i don't know if i like or not I don't well, know. it made it sound like they broke out into like nations, into like yeah, like factions, factions, yeah, and they fought each other. Well, and that's what they were talking about with like because there were less people in the matrix, the power supply wasn't as good, and so there were fights over what did she say? Like the lack of resources creates, mm -hmm. you know, battles or whatever, and so. Mm -hmm. 
but I'm with you. And I, I liked the machine thing and I wish they would have gone more into that than the taking us back into the matrix as much as they did at the end, because they kind of hint at it in the second and third movie with the different programs that are like, and they bring them back to a certain degree for one shitty fight scene, which really annoyed me in this movie that the whole programs that were outdated and when they would upgrade them, like the actual program would go. And that's where like you get your, like they hinted in the second one, that's where you get like vampires and like all the myths, mythical monsters. Like they talk about those machines and how they go off. And that's where the Merovingian was came in in the second movie. And like, he was kind of the leader of these outcast programs and they kind of had their own faction where they did their own thing. Cause they were no longer, technically supposed to be part of the matrix so i was really intrigued by the fact that they laid the groundwork for that then they touch on it even going further with real world machines in this showing those machines but then that's like you say we get to a point where i'm like really interested in what they're talking about with that and then we go back into the matrix for this very anticlimactic last 45 minutes of this movie starting with this terrible fight scene with the crazy ass um Merovingian just screaming the whole time. I was like, so you brought him stupid. back in for, yeah, you brought him back in for no other reason than like the nostalgia of it all. Mm-hmm. But the first hour of this movie was what brought the nostalgia. And I enjoyed yeah. the little hints of making fun of itself, right? They, they have to bury Neo. And to me, that was the best part was how interesting it was that they said, I was like, first of all, how is Neo and Trinity still alive? I want that explanation, but you don't get it till way near the end. But I also want to know, why are they in the Matrix? But I loved this whole, he's a video game designer and his creation is his life. Like, I was like, that's clever as fuck. Which did you guys play the Matrix game? Yeah, like, it was terrible. Like the PS2? <laughs> what are you talking about, dude? That game was awesome. Yeah. I the story it. was cool, but like the the mechanics were so clunky. No, they weren't. Not in whatever year it was made in. That was awesome. Yeah, I can't yeah. play it now. But dude, hmm. well, so here's the they came out. They're coming out, or it's releasing soon. There's a a side by side video game coming out with this movie, hmm. which could work for what they could make now. That could be something. Matrix Awakens is what it's called. It probably has a better story than this one. <laughs> well, it is. Mm. Yeah, it could be. But yeah, so that's coming out. So it's not, or it doesn't have a release date yet, but we'll see. Like, it looked interesting. But yeah, I, I didn't mind the whole layout of his story being, like, I think they did the whole, when it's time to make a sequel game thing, a little long, like where it showed him in that loop over the same conversation. I was like, Jesus Christ, that's a lot. Can I just say, since you're bringing that up, that was my least favorite part of this entire movie. I felt like WB went and just stuck Keanu Reeves in their board meetings and recorded it because they didn't know what to do for the actual story of this movie. And then they're like, well, I guess we'll just go with this one and redo the same stuff that we had in the first. I was so mad. Stop (laughs) referencing yourself, WB. Stop. It's obnoxious. There are no scenes I looked at Nicole. I'm like, they're just saying words. Right? Like, no, no sentence makes sense. They're like, they're like, the Matrix is like a total mind F. Like, we need 
bullet time. Yeah, I was like, dear God. And when Neil Patrick Harris references that, I was like, that was not funny enough to reference again. Well, and I didn't like that they used bullet time, especially in Neil Patrick Harris' explanation where he's like, you helped us with bullet time. And I'm like, yeah, but that was what we called it. And I get what they're trying to do with that. Like, but yeah, you shouldn't have done that. Like, say you stole his abilities, but bullet time, come on. There's a better place to put guns, lots of guns, right? Like, they did it better in John Wick. It's a different fucking franchise, and they delivered that line better, right? (laughs) Man, I will say, I wanted when they made him in the video game designer, I wanted them to just connect him to John Wick. Like, he was just this badass in the Matrix. Like, oh my gosh, he was John Wick, but he was actually Neo this whole time. That could, I mean, (laughs) that would have made this movie even worse, but it would have been cool. I was waiting for a John Wick reference somewhere. Yeah, they made a Matrix reference in John Wick, so I was waiting for them to make a John Wick reference. <laughs> yeah, but I will say, as far as the story goes, I did like that they made him like schizophrenic. Yeah, what was going on with Neo made sense. Like why mm-hmm. they kept him alive, why they worked so hard to keep him in the Matrix because he's a huge source of power. Him and Trinity but they had to convince him that he was crazy, that he's not the one, that the things that he's seen, it's just a product of his mental illness. I'm like, that is very cool. And that opens a whole new layer of what the Matrix means in the real world, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. JJ, can you re-explain for our listeners, because Neo and Trinity had such a strong connection, their mental capacity, were they outputting more energy? Because they had a massive thing connected to their pods. So I just want to make sure I re-understood that correctly, that were they generating more energy and therefore it made sense to keep them or it helped all the humans in the Matrix generate more energy because they were present? Didn't they... You know, Patrick Harris's character, doesn't he reference something about Neo and Trinity needing to be in the Matrix in order for the Matrix to work for all these other people or something like that? Yeah, they were a little heavy-handed with that because near the end, it sounds like they don't actually need them for the matrix to exist, but it's just not going to be as efficient. Yeah, he, he referenced they were generating like their efficiency numbers were... Yeah, he was breaking records for the yeah. last 60 years or whatever. Well, and part of that's the way that he treats it, that like he feeds on our love of misery, like humans love of misery and, and the fact that we'll fucking believe anything. Like I love that. Like I'm not usually a big lover of social commentary in movies, but I fucking laughed my ass off when Neil Patrick Harris is going off going like you fuckers love to be miserable and you'll believe anything like, yeah, like because your feelings are what drink like, and he's like, my predecessor was all about details, logic, logic. Yeah. And he's like, and I'm all about the feelings and you idiots will believe anything. Cause here's the thing that most people miss, at least in my conversations about the matrix. And that is that Neo wasn't necessarily the one by himself. Without Trinity, he never becomes the one. He was the two. Yeah. And he mentions it in a very passing way in this movie about her believing in him. Because without her pushing him along and that being that driving force for him, he would have never become what he was in the first three movies. And at the same time, she becomes cooler and better. And he's always been her driving force. And so that connection, and they're programmed that way, Because that's the thing that in the first three movies, he's not all human. Like there was programming in him besides just being a human. And if you look at it that way and then they rebuild, that's why they have to explain that they basically rebuilt 
Trinity. And then you bring in Sati and she talks about that. It was her dad who rebuilt them. Please tell me that that's the same actress. Is, did that kid grow up and no. get in this movie? Oh man, that would have been awesome. Yeah, that would have been awesome, but no. So explain to me from the, the old Matrix, like when Neo, I think it was in the, it was either, was it the second or third one? They're in like the tunnels in the old ones and he, he stops Sentinels when he's not in the Matrix, like in his mm-hmm. physical body form. I get when you can do anything in the Matrix because it's written into his code. He's the anomaly. He can stop bullets. He can bend in time. He can fly. But when he got outside of the Matrix, that that always was a huge leap to me because I was like, well, you're not in a computer-generated program like you are a human being at this point. How did you stop a machine? That part was always a leap for me. And they don't explain it well even in those movies, but because they're the machines are always connected to the Matrix in a certain way because like Javier was saying, they're all connected. Basically the hive mind, especially then. Like the network, yeah. Yeah, and because his programming... There's some comics out there, but you got to deep dive into the Matrix beyond the movies to understand that his programming from the Matrix that was in him inherently connected him to a certain level to the machines, which is what allowed him to do that. But it's not like he could control the machines all the time outside. It was too much. And that's why he ended up in that train station to begin the third one was because he overexerted that. And basically he killed, he destroyed his human body And what was left of his consciousness was stuck in the matrix and they were separated to a certain degree. The only thing keeping his body alive was the coding that was programmed to the matrix. So he had like a human Wi-Fi link. Kind of. Yeah, I think that part got away from them a little bit. Dude, the second and third movies (laughs) got away from them completely. Let's just go ahead and be honest. They made a very successful movie in the first one that was really cool and different. And Warner Brothers went, ooh, there's a lot of money to be made here. Let's yeah. hurry and write a second and third one. And, and a fourth, fourth one. And a fourth. Because <laughs> that's what this was. But again, I'm not going to be shitty because I liked a lot of this movie. One thing that I, I struggled with is... So Mr. Smith from the old trilogy, I really liked him and I don't remember the actor's name. That dude, I thought, just played the shiz out of what he was supposed to be and he had the creepiest where, last where is he? smile. Yeah, what, what? what is he doing? Is he dead? No, he's still alive. It was a scheduling conflict. Scheduling conflict? Ah, man. Because I was like, I really wanted him to be back because he is one of the reasons I love The Matrix. Like, while there was a lot of things I didn't like, man, Mr. Smith really always hit home in every movie for me. And this new guy, and they did a decent job of explaining it. Like, it was was fine. I didn't, but I just, I don't have any connection to this new Agent Smith. I don't even know if he really is Agent Smith. He's just this new skinned guy. Yeah. I was impressed by him considering that actor's background. He's got like a Broadway background. That's the guy who yeah. voices Kristoff in Frozen. Oh. And Hamilton. That. Wow. Like, uh, he's King George and Hamilton. He didn't do a bad job. I just wanted it, you know. No, and I agree with you. Like, it wasn't the same. And that's what I mean. That's another one of those, like, you have big shoes to fill and you just didn't do it. Yeah. Where, like... A, yeah. The original Agent Smith was the right amount of creepy, confident, and desperate, right? Like, and I loved sure. how he played it. This guy yeah. was just a cocky dick. And calling him Tom, I wasn't. I was like, man, where's yeah. my Mister Anderson? What happened to Mister like, Anderson? But how do you say <laughs> Mister Anderson the right way? You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's so Hugo Weaving is the guy that played the original Mister Smith. That's, 
so they did, they never talked to, oh, what's his face for Morpheus? Um, oh, yeah. Because that just wouldn't make sense, right? 60 years later, that guy's going to be dead. Yeah, he was old enough as it was. I mean, I think it was a little bit of a stretch that Niobe was still kicking around, but that's okay. I understand they had to have some connection to the originals, but yeah, you're not going to have Morpheus isn't around. So I understand that he was never in talks to be in it. Hugo weaving, however, was in talks to be in the movie and they couldn't make it work with his schedule. I don't know what he was in. I don't know what he was doing, but he's not, he's never been, he's done two really mainstream, I guess three mainstream Movies. He did the the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah, he's in Lord of the Rings. And then he did the Matrix trilogy. And then he did one Captain America movie, and that was it. He's good. Outside of that, oh, he's if you nail down Matrix and Lord of the Rings, that's it, right? No, like you're- Hugo Weaving is a fantastic actor. He always has been, but he's a stage guy, and he likes indie movies. He likes doing oh. independent stuff. So he does a lot of these obscure, more yeah, obscure I can films. respect that. Yeah, okay. So, and he does a lot of Australian stuff. He's Australian, so he does a lot of shit in Australia as opposed to like mainstream stuff. If having him in the movie, man, I if he was back, like Neo and him just back and forth, and that's what saved me for Matrix 2 and 3. I just still like their interactions. I miss that. Mm-hmm. Sure, I like their one-on-one interactions. I hated all the Smiths. Like... At the end of the third one, especially like when everybody was a Smith, like I hated that shit. (laughs) Well, they OP'd Smith and Neo to the point where they were trapped and they're like, oh, what do we do now? (laughs) Yeah. You make them fight. Yeah. Over (laughs) in the worst CGI flying fight ever created. It wasn't great, but I actually haven't seen that movie in forever. So I think in my kid brain, I'm still like, that was awesome. I rewatched it like a month ago, Javier. Like it's so. Bad bad. On the CGI. I just keep imagining the ripping the pull out and then smashing the concrete part against the Smith's chest. I'm like, I remember thinking that was the coolest shit ever. It's the the third it's one the third was one. exceptionally horrific. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, because that's the it second looks movie, worse right? than video games these days. Like way worse. And you're just like, oh, I can't believe this passed back. Oh, then. that's bad. Okay, that was bad. Yeah. That was bad. Oh, while we're talking about the action, I did not like the fight sequences in this. For a couple of reasons. One, they were super short. I felt like each fight sequence was like a couple minutes long. Whereas in Matrix 1, we've got 20 minutes of a slow motion fucking up some bank. It was awesome. That moment was longer than most of these fight scenes. Also, what is with all the water? What is with all the fighting in puddles of water? I did not. That was an artistic choice that just kept re, like in every. Every scene where they were fighting, they were in a puddle of water. So that was strange. And there wasn't enough Matrixy stuff. There wasn't enough running on walls, like doing crazy backflips. Like that happened occasionally. But I just, like, I watch Matrix for Matrix fight scenes. And there just wasn't enough Matrixy things. Yeah. I think I came from a different perspective on it because I, the instant that they explained when Neil Patrick Harris's character explained that he changed the matrix fundamentally so that the slowdown piece, like I actually liked the inverse because the other thing, there's so much fucking slow-mo in the first three movies that that's why the the fight seems seem long is because it's all in like quote unquote bullet time, right? It's slower than bullshit. 
I liked the actual inverse of that, that all these fight scenes were fast, except for the fact that you can tell Keanu Reeves is getting old. Like there were a couple of fight scenes. I'm like, you're tired, but I get it. Yeah. You do a lot of physical shit. I'm sorry, but he wasn't as crisp as he used to be back in the day. How old and, is he now? Oh, he's like, got to be in his 60s. 50s. No, he's, he's, he's 57. Yeah. All right. Almost. Yeah, getting, Tom Cruise is 59. Yeah, he's getting there. Dang. So, yeah, so for me, like, I get what you're saying, Javier. There wasn't a lot of fight scene, but there also, there was never going to be a lot of gunfights either, like that one bank scene. And mm-hmm. I, the whole Columbine thing, like, they put a lot of weight on the original Matrix movie on Columbine. Like, it kind of, there's a lot of people that, like, still bring that up. And it's, like, just because it was in the similar year and they reference it in their little, like, letters or whatever. It's not I fair. Can't, yeah, I've never been a fan of blaming movies on people doing dumb Dude, shit. In a world of like that Kingsman Church Massacre, <laughs> Grand Theft Auto, we have five of those games now. In, in a world where those things exist, yeah, and then the Matrix is pulling their punches, like, come on, dude. Man yeah. up, Warner Brothers, and just give us what we want. <laughs> give us what Javier wants. <laughs> Oh, I'll add myself into that too, Javier. There you go. I never saw someone reload their gun in this movie. Well, it's the Matrix. You don't have to reload in the Matrix. Yeah, I've never seen anyone reload a gun in the Matrix. <laughs> they usually only shoot about a third of the bullets and then drop the guns anyway. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. they got Hunky so many guns. they don't need to reload. Yeah. One of my most annoying parts of the first Matrix is when they're going back in to save Morpheus and they go into like the upload area where they just have racks and racks and racks of guns and neo picks up like an mp5 which is a like a nine millimeter carbine yeah. and i'm like dude you've got all these options you're gonna pick up a nine millimeter drives me crazy yeah i think one of the other things in i mean I, with time technology evolves where they were able to come through like mirrors and different portals and i know that they got caught a lot but the one thing i liked about the original trilogy is with the phone and things it just felt it felt more risky to get in and out of the Matrix and with the Sentinels. And here, I know that the bad guys showed up always pretty quickly and whatnot, but it, it just felt that there was a, an ease to get in, in and out of the Matrix in the way that it wasn't done before. And I liked in the old way that it felt more of that urgency, that risk, where in this movie, while it was there, it just didn't feel the same to me. I think for me, the biggest crazy part when I look back on what I liked about this movie and didn't like about this movie is... I wanted more of the real world in this new future with Neo and Trinity out of it. And like, that was more to me interesting. Like when we went back into the matrix, I was like, eh, whatever. It's more of what we've seen before in three movies, Mm -hmm. but it's not new. And that's what, to me, the matrix was always, even the second and third one, as much as I loathe them and make fun of them, they still did new things. Like they were always trying to show you something different and to do it in a very spectacular way. And that, you know, that's why we look back on it now and go, man, the CGI sucked. Well, at the time, that was as good as it got, right? And now, like, we went back into the Matrix, and that's why I think I liked the beginning so much, because it was different. It was a different take. We were watching Neo, and as annoying as that those board meetings were, and as silly as it was that they actually said our parent company, Warner Brothers, like, in the movie, like... But the actual core storyline of, like you said, how you're playing on this man's making him think he's mentally ill 
sending him to the villain of your movie as a therapist to make sure that he's still in check. That was cool. All of that to me was so fucking interesting that I wanted more of that. Once he got out, I wanted more of the real world with these machines that were choosing to be with the humans. Mm -hmm. And, you know, having that, that conflict to me would have been more interesting than going back into the matrix to save Trinity. I was like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Which is the opposite of how I felt in the first movie. The first movie, yeah. every time we went to the real world, I'm like, dude, this is fucking boring. Let's get back yeah. in there. Bend yeah. some bullets, baby. Yeah. <laughs> That's the first three movies. I'm like, why are we in the real world? Nobody cares. Yeah. <laughs> but I agree. This movie, yeah. I would have liked to see more. What's going on? What happened? Like, what? what's the stability between human and machines? Are we on the brink of war again? Or yeah. are we just ignoring each other? You know, like, what is going on here? Ooh, are there humans on the machine side? Are there humans? Because in the first movie, there definitely sure were. Which, yeah. by the way, I would 100% sell my mother to get out of that shithole real world and be rich in the Matrix and die happy. Like, sure. I cannot blame the villain of the first movie. <laughs> nope. Cypher was right. No question like about steak. that. I like <laughs> <laughs> Can we, are we ready to talk about the end? But I just, I gotta. I, I don't remember the end super well. I just remember swarm mode, which is pretty fucking sick. Pretty, pretty. <laughs> My problem was, is I was confused at the end because for like two seconds, because it was very Smith-like to want to get revenge on this dude for trapping him in this like simulated life with Neo mm -hmm. as the partner. Yeah. Like I, I really liked that part about how he comes in, he shoots his ass, blows him up for a second. But then my problem was, is I thought that they made the fuck up of all of the swarm mode being Smith again, instead of him just teleporting to a different body. So for like the first 30 seconds that the swarm was coming after all of them, I was like, are we really going back to all the Smiths? Because now I'm pissed. And then it took me a second to go, no, they're just Swarm and Smith left to go do whatever Smith's going to do. And he left the dude that he took his body. That's where that guy came from. So I was confused for like 15 minutes going, fucking all the Smiths. What a dumb thing. They should have left that shit alone. Mm -hmm. So I didn't like that they didn't explain that very well. And that's probably on me, not the movie. But I, I could have done without Swarm mode. Like I would have been more interested in seeing just Smith like going after them and they're running from Smith because Smith's just a badass. Like, how's he still in the Matrix? So that's the one thing. Because if you're the analyst and you knew his code was still skewed in there, isn't that the thing you're trying to get rid of? But I guess he's a difficult program to you crack. You can't get rid of him. If Neo's in the Matrix, Smith is in the Matrix. That's Smith is the result of Neo's code. He's the bleed of Neo realizing who he is. That's so when he mm. destroys him in the first one, that's what he talks about in the second movie before the big bunch of Smiths fight that you're talking about, Javier. With the I thought that just made him rogue, though. It made him permanent. Yes, it, their code became attached. That's why you had to have Smith in this movie and they had to keep him, but they also changed his face so that it was less likely to trigger Neo. Like he can't recognize that's the problem with trinity is he was always seeing trinity and that's where obviously we get him having that ability to want to still step out of his life and if smith was there that was always going to trigger him so they changed the way he looked and stuck him back in but smith has to be there because they're fundamentally connected 
Hmm. So why didn't they change the way Trinity looked? Yeah. If that's the case. Well, and they did a shitty job of explaining that because that They did a little shitty job with a lot of it. <laughs> did they explain anything in this movie? Like... <laughs> It's very little. Uh, the parent company's Warner Brothers. They did that. Yeah, oh, that's, that's right. Pardon me. They tried to explain it with that whole him looking like an old man, and they kept having the flashes of how they look different so that other people wouldn't see them. But because of who they were, they still see certain pieces of oh, it. Oh, that's right. Because he sees Trinity's reflection in the coffee table as like an old woman. Yes. And he's seeing her on a coding level. That's why he can't let go of her because of their connection. The others, they, he sees what they tell him to see, but she and himself, he can't get past the coding. But if so, Smith is connected to Neo through the same kind of coding, like his bleed, wouldn't he be able to recognize Smith? That's, that's a good point. the question. And I think it's because the connection's different. That's the only explanation. And that's just me throwing Isn't shit out Isn't it risky there. to make Smith... Neo's boss, so they have to interact. He wasn't like his boss, he was his partner. That's partner. That's even worse. But they reference that in the other movies, right? Yeah. That like together they're the yin and the yang, right? Like yeah, it was always gonna end with them. So it has, and that's the thing, is they're and again, there's there's some explanation. If you haven't seen the the original movies, or if you don't know the deep cut lore shit, like why would they put him in the same realm? But you have to because they're going to come back to each other. If you leave Smith to his own devices in the Matrix, what they wanted is they had everybody in it that was important, those three characters that have to be together. They're in close enough proximity that it works, right? That's what he's talking about. Their pods are just close enough that it works, but just far enough that they don't connect. And in the Matrix, they're just close enough to see each other all the time, but not close enough to connect. And with Smith, if you don't have Smith there to keep control of when he recognizes, because when they try to get him out that first time and Smith goes, well, this is some bullshit and picks up the gun. And, and all of a sudden Smith is embedded in the matrix. So he's going to remember easier. He's going to get past that code. So he starts yelling, Mr. Anderson. And then it all, then they wipe it and start over. Right. That reminds me of when he picks up that gun and he shoots at the cubicle and somehow doesn't blow Neo's head off. Yeah. That cubicle is like bulletproof. <laughs> Amazing. But yeah. anyway. So the architect does reference that this is not the first time that they've tried it. Right. That mm-hmm. he's like, every time, like, he's like, I've had to find the perfect space where you guys are close enough together, but not too close where you destroy everything. Yeah. Right. So I wonder if. They did the same thing with like Agent Smith where they tested like, let's put him on the other side of the planet and he's a janitor in Taiwan. And it's like, how did that turn out? That would be a cool TV series of like all the different simulations that the architect had to do. Mr. Smith, the janitor. (laughs) It's interesting because I was thinking that before we started recording, I was like, I wish they would have, instead of making a movie, they made a series Mm -hmm. about the Matrix and like, you could have these background and then like the, the, you know, the series finale is them just try all this is this, them trying to have. Could have been like a WandaVision. Yeah. Like how do we figure out to get these guys to make it work? Right. But yeah, that's Mm -hmm. the thing is Smith's always going to find his way back to Neo, just like Neo's always going to find his way back to Trinity and vice versa. So 
they're all together. So it's easier for them to control and to see when shit goes south so they can reset everything, which is why his cat deja vu is. And it was obvious that I wish they'd have done more of that. Cause they made it seem like the cat was the key. Right. I was like, that's an interesting concept that like Neil Patrick Harris's character isn't actually in control of anything. He needs the cat. The cat is what is like the fail safe, right? That's the reboot. So anytime... Which would like be kind of funny because if you talk to engineers and programmers, sometimes they're like, I don't know. When we leave the apple on the table in this video game, everything works. But when we take it out, it crashes and we don't know why. (laughs) Sometimes stuff like that just happens in a program. Sure. And video games, especially like they'll do like a patch and they'll fix one thing and it breaks six others. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what the shit? Yeah. So I, I thought that was really cool that the cat was there. And then you see at the end, Trinity and Neo have the cat. So you're like, oh, so are they in control completely of like the matrix to a certain degree at this point? Or what, you know, what the different implications there were. But I just thought there were so many interesting details and yet they missed in so many ways. I thought there were a lot of callbacks to the original movie and series. And I thought that was fun. I was also glad that Neil Patrick Harris fit into this movie. He was actually a pretty good villain. I was worried when he came on screen, because he's like a very specific type of actor from like How I Met Your Mother and stuff, that I thought he was like, his personality was a good villain personality. I like the idea of him as this therapist and then he morphs into this. He ends up being the villain guy. But at the end, when he's explaining stuff, I... I just felt like I couldn't take him seriously because I kept picturing him as this comedic guy. Yeah. And yeah, it was, I feel like they could have done better at casting for that specific role. But I don't know. It sounds like it worked on your level, Javier. So maybe not. I mean, it worked for me. I feel like I've seen him in something more serious though before this. I can't remember what it was. So I don't have him in my mind as like only a comedic actor, you know? It didn't bother me. He's not a very menacing actor, though. Like, he's not... No, but, like, I liked how nonchalant he was. And that's what I thought made him a good villain, of just, like, how little... How confident he was in what he was doing and how well it was working. And his speech about feelings and stuff, I was like, it kind of... It landed for me. He delivered that well, in my opinion. I did like how flippant he was. Like... You could tell that he felt like he figured it out and it was uh, he was unbeatable. Like he had mm-hmm. he thought he had such an understanding of these people and in humans like that he was never going to be wrong. And then when he turned out to be wrong, like I love that he's hiding behind that bar like panicking trying to get to the cat <laughs> because he's like I fucked up. <laughs> and and then you know and then he thought he was going to get control back again and then Smith comes in and this whole thing just melts down. So I like they made him so cocky because this has worked for 60 years or however long they've been doing this. You know what I mean? With them. And so he just got cocky and he's bragging about his awards and like (laughs) shit like that. Like, I want to see that. What is, what is a machine Christmas party look like? Like what does an award ceremony look like for these guys? Yeah. So if he's hitting all these efficiency metrics and it's doing better than it was before, why are all the machines going through these issues of like duking it out over power? Cause there's a limited amount. Well, that was before they're not anymore. So then the other machines are just leaving willingly. Yeah. 
they're just trying to, they want to be part of the human. They don't want to be just part of like Javier was mentioning, like they talk about, they don't need to be part of this all powerful thing. They want to work towards like growing things and making things better versus just the status quo of having all this power and everything else. But that's what like the hipsters of machines, you know, (laughs) like they're growing strawberries while other machines are growing humans. You know, they're not at the same level. Hipster machines. Dude, don't make me hate this thing more. (laughs) (laughs) But that was one of the things that I didn't like too, is that the explanation that Niobe gives is that everything was fine and then it wasn't. And now it's fine again. And that's directly related to that time frame of there was like this time of not having enough on either end. And then they figure out the matrix because to me, that's the other part that at its core, I'm like, okay, so what happens now? Cause you just fucked up the matrix, which was what was keeping the machines in check and happy. So by coming out of this thing, unless they just stay in there all the time now, but it's like, eventually there's going to be another real life war because of what you just did. Right. Yeah, I guess I'm confused about like the motivation of the machines. Like, why wouldn't I? What was the original deal that caused the peace? How were they strong armed into making that deal? Because Smith would have destroyed the Matrix. Yeah. And so Neo, they needed Neo to negate Smith so that they could reboot the Matrix. Right. And then once that happened, so he said, I'll do it, but you have to let Zion be. There has to be a peace and you have to let people leave and stay as they please because he recognized that people like cypher wanted to be in there so if i if i'm the machines what is stopping me from making that deal and then once neo goes through with it being like great thank you fuck all of you and go going right back into what i was doing well there was nothing really nothing but that, yeah so i mean so I these are just like morally sound machines are like look i mean we're machines not animals we made a deal like, is that, is that, more or less we're yeah. morally responsible but we live off humans yeah <laughs> i mean the, the machine did have the face of a baby that he was making yeah, a deal with so really like weird. take that for what you want oh it's really weird <laughs> i mean <laughs> to, to kind of the part of it too though that i think about is you can see that it didn't stay peaceful they lived up to that for a while then there was the big war and then they figured out the matrix in a way that was more efficient that didn't need the the anomaly to pop up every 30 years or whatever it was because that's the whole it was a loop out in the first three movies too that they were talking about they would wipe everybody except for a handful of people that the one got to choose who they were in the real world they'd rebuild the human population in the real world while not able to do anything about the machines until the one the anomaly popped up again right and so that was because of the way that the programming was written in the first one. Then they figure out, well, we'll keep Neo and Trinity in this thing. And we don't need to do that loop. They get to live in the loop while everybody else goes and does their own thing. And so now the machines don't have to worry about destroying Zion or IO because they've got their perfect matrix. So did the humans break the truce then? In theory. Yeah. Like that's what I was laughing about. Because, well, no, not necessarily because they were also told through the truce that anybody that didn't want to be in the Matrix was free to leave. So if you can talk to them and except show them... Trinity. That, well, except <laughs> Neo or Trinity. So technically, no, they weren't because if they show them that they don't want to be in there and they decide to leave, that was part of the 
true. So it just depends on how you look at it. But so you're coming from the point of it just stopped making sense for them to try to wipe out the human race. It just wasn't worth the effort anymore. There was no need to because they didn't need to restart the loop of the one, right? Because he's already plugged into the matrix in a way that makes that work so that they can just continue to create, harvest their power and add people into the matrix. But now that it doesn't work as well, now you're saying, what next? Sure. Because who knows? Now we have this question of, okay, so Neo and and Trinity are choosing to go back in and they're talking about setting people free again in droves. What does that do to the machines? Because now they go back to needing power again. They're losing more people than they can efficiently afford to lose. So what does that look like? Because obviously the machines are far more efficient at killing than humans. They can just walk into IO probably and yeah, you okay, you had your Black Panther steal moment where he thinks they're <laughs> going to crash into the and then drive through this little tunnel, but you're still those machines are so numerous that you're going to you're going to lose. So why shame on Trinity and Neo for pissing off the machines? Cuz in the real world now they just wipe out humans again. There's nothing stopping them. They don't need him anymore. That's where I like Niobe's character is that the point of view she voices and probably the best way to go, like, I don't know, it brings up that question of sacrificing one for the many. Like, is yeah. Trinity worth how many thousands, hundreds of thousands to millions of lives? Which I always think is interesting in a movie because it's interesting to see what path these heroes take because it comes at a cost. Usually that cost is pretty hefty. So yeah, it's survival of the fittest, right? <laughs> like, he's Neo. So it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. Neo could go in and save Trinity. So you're just shit out of luck if you're just Timmy in, you know, Bunker 12. I just You're just out of luck. My question, again, this, this is crucial to just the Matrix complex, is why haven't the she- machines been able to evolve just to generate power that doesn't involve humanity? I know, I mean, that's core to the Matrix story, but I just need a reminder there why they're, they're stuck on human-generated power. I know they, like, blacked out the sun and kind of destroyed Mm -hmm. the surface didn't they it's because on the surface where the machines are like there's no sun there's no so you can't grow anything there's no resources for them to like we destroyed the earth by dropping nuclear bombs on the machines and it blackened the sky so that's why the humans live underground deep underground and that's why they're trying to grow Mm-hmm. shit and learn all but that stuff to Matson's point these morally strong machines why don't they have like hydro dams you know some windmills i don't think there's water if you nuke the joint and there's because that's the other thing that they talk I mean, about there's is wind on planets with you know less atmosphere than we have here so well, I, sure i'm not talking about wind i'm talking about the water because that's one of the things that they talk about in the original trilogies they have to create water underground like they have the re these giant tubs and then they talked about the fact that they create this atmospheric thing under in the earth that well that's why i'm talking about the humans are able to do that underneath earth i'm like well if these machines are so technologically advanced like when they figure a way out to generate some power beyond plugging a human into the matrix but again that's the core of the matrix they they haven't invented like nuclear power (laughs) that seems like something a machine would do like let's build some nukes yeah, but it's hard because you get, that's basically what the matrix is that's the that's what made it interesting so i know i'm sure. i'm asking like a a question that is like core to well that's just the matrix maybe that's the answer sure yeah 
wouldn't have a movie if they were that smart of a machine. <laughs> okay, but still, going back to the machine strategy, right? If I wipe out the rebel humans, I can just farm people forever. So it would make a ton of sense for me to now that like I have the matrix where I want it to be, I'm going to go find the humans, kill every last one of them. And the only humans on this planet are the ones that I control, that I farm. So that shit like this doesn't keep happening. It only keeps happening because they allow humans to live. So I just like, if I'm human, if I'm the machines, I'm like holes, like Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. And I'm just digging down everywhere trying to find you guys. Those do seem like very human specific or made choices rather than machine that's fair no if you take like all feeling out the window and your only concern is self-preservation that makes the most sense yeah and what i'm saying is what the machines actually do seems more human than what a machine would do but i think that's partly what they tried to show now is they're more human than we're we're letting on at least those new machines i saw they seemed like they had feelings and they were clearly making choices and knew what those choices meant and that's maybe fair. because they were created by humans there's still always going to be a human tendency in their ai that they can never out evolve i don't know i mean well i think that's core of being a sentient being right like that's why ai yeah. scares the shit out of us so much is if you create a true ai you can no longer control that AI, right? So it's what they've done in these movies has always been that they've flipped the roles, right? So the machines are now the most dominant force on the planet, but they're still sentient. So does that mean that they they still have to think things through? And while logic would make the most sense, right? That the pure emotionless logic, in theory, it's all theoretical, true AI would develop emotions of some sort. That's why you see in the first matrix that this program in Smith is pissed about being in the matrix. He Mm -hmm. hates being there. And that kind of emotion, if you're a machine, you don't care about the smell. You don't care about, you know, you don't have those. If you're full machine, you have to be able to feel those emotions. And so I think that's what they're saying is even these machines, while machines, they still have that emotion and you still have to go through, do we really want to, wipe out an entire race if i'm a if i'm the humans why am i not putting all my effort into building emps that's all i build i make food and i build emps (laughs) right like what an easy war to win (laughs) well the problem with it is and they talk about it in the emp you get one emp blast within your range because outside of that you're going to burn your emp with your emp yeah make EMPs like into a little weapon that you just fire off into the distance and then yeah. it goes off. Grenade launcher EMPs. If you can reverse engineer a strawberry, you can make an EMP you can shoot. Absolutely. If you can bioengineer a strawberry without sunlight, 100% you can build EMPs. And all you fuckers are just warmongers. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. This is a keg of dynamite waiting to go off. We're not prepping for it. Are you outside of your minds? And they're out here making strawberries. They're making strawberries when they should be making EMPs. Idiots, dude. Man. And we wonder why we have wars and rumors of wars all the time. I'll even suicide bombers, man. Boom. EMPs on my chest (laughs) running down the street of old Chicago. You know, I just got to commend JJ for throwing out a Book of Mormon reference. (laughs) Wars and rumors of wars. I'm the one spreading the rumors. (laughs) Just saying, man, because that's the problem is all of the power, people in power are thinking the same way Javier is right now. 
fuck feeding our poor. Let's fucking figure out how to blow everyone up. <laughs> JJ, I'm, a, I'm proud that two year movie hiatus has paid off. Yeah. Oh, it's still there in the back of my skull. <laughs> that, was such a, that was such a funny reference. I'm going to start using that as my, and watch the movies for two years. See, uh, but to be fair, that's my critique of United States financials because we can blow anyone up like several <laughs> times over. I'm like, we don't need to blow up people 10 times. I like, I'm okay with us blowing up people two times. That means we've got 80% of the budget we can put towards other stuff, you know? That's why we, that's why we keep increasing that federal deficit because they're like, you, you want us to pay up? We'll just blow you up. That's, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, we, we don't need to blow up people that many times. We just need the ability to blow up anyone we want twice. That's enough of a cushion, I think. Yeah, I like it. And with that, let's rate this movie. (laughs) Javier Ortiz for president. There you go. (laughs) If everyone wants to die. (laughs) All right. Twice, that's it. I'm I'm advocating cutting the military budget. That's what I'm doing. I think your candidacy and all of our candidacies are dead in the water once they listen to some of these podcasts. I can't imagine. (laughs) Can't vote for him. That's an easy smear campaign, right? They're like, listen to this. They just hit play. (laughs) We only need to blow everyone up twice. (laughs) The ability to blow everyone up. We just need the ability to. So like I said, let's rate this movie. I'll go first since I tortured Matson and made him go first last time. Look, I like this movie more than I thought I would. It's still not a perfect movie. There's a lot of flaws in this movie. And I think the flaws that come from this movie is the fact that it is a Matrix movie. And they felt they needed to stay in the Matrix more than I think they did. I think what would have been really interesting is pursuing more of the real world. Make it really fast that they figure out who they are and they pull Trinity out. And now they got to figure out, they, they fix the Matrix. How do we fix the real world? How do we not just put a Band-Aid on this thing and have everybody, you know what I mean? I think that would have been more interesting. I did find probably more of the humor and the self-deprecation of this movie for the first hour funnier than I should have. But I actually like enjoyed some of the callbacks. I liked the serious callbacks. I could have done without the blatant Warner Brothers call out. That was pretty stupid. But I didn't mind the matrix making fun of itself, even like in the loop where they kept, you know, bullet time and they kept talking about like all that shit was like funny to me, which was not part of the matrix movies originally. So I liked that they, it was really telling to me of the changes that they were making. It made the changes the machines made to the matrix more believable because they were like you said, Javier, some of that shit was so nonsensical, but then to, Neil Patrick Harris's character's point will fucking believe anything, right? And so that he doesn't matter what he has him spout out because we will go, oh yeah, okay, and listen. And that's not far off from humans. Like we'll believe whatever the fuck comes out on the internet. Like you need a vaccine booster. Like that's insane. Yeah. Well, I had an Uber driver tell me that people can teleport and there are aliens on this earth and he was straight faced. Like he believed yeah. it. All right, yeah. like or any number of crazy-ass shit that's out there right now. Like, I don't know, call out to Malia, not that she listens, that the fucking moon landing was fake. Or- <laughs> <laughs> that's still one of my favorite scenes where we're working with Javier. I don't know why that makes me so angry. It gets me so flustered. I'm like, Malia, <laughs> we have rocks from the moon. <laughs> That was like her second week and poor Javier just like <laughs> he couldn't let me go. <laughs> anyway, 
Yeah, so I, I really found it interesting. The last half of the movie, like well, not the last half, probably the last 30 minutes when they're back in the Matrix, and it felt so Matrix that I was bored. And then it was just like, okay, I know how this is going to go. Everything's going to be fine. They're going to save themselves. And and I did laugh at them beating the shit out of fucking Neil Patrick Harris at the end of the movie and bringing him back to life and then beating his ass again and then bringing him back. Like that shit was funny for a minute, but most of the last 30 minutes I could have done without. Like it just didn't add anything for me. But uh, yeah, it could have been a lot worse. I'm going to give this movie a three because I was entertained for probably an hour and 40 minutes of this movie. And then I wasn't when I wasn't, but there was a lot to it that I liked. I think my biggest beef with this movie is that they missed really interesting shit to go back to what we've seen three times. That was my biggest beef with the movie. So I'm going to give it a three. I don't think I'll ever watch this movie. If I'm going to go back to the matrix, I'm just going to watch the original because no matter how many times I watch it, that movie holds up to me because the CGI is so subtle and it's more of like a camera trick that they do for the effects than CGI. When the Matrix went to full CGI is when I lost interest. But the first movie holds up. The story's cool. It's so simple and yet so complex at the same time. This movie, I don't know that I'll ever watch it again. I might watch parts like on a YouTube, like some of the funny scenes or something, but I would never watch it front to back, I don't think, purposefully. So there's me. Ian, let's hear you shit on this thing, dude. Excited. Yeah, I'll do my best to be logical and machine motivated instead of feeling motivated when I go through all this. So I just feel like, I feel like WB leaned way too hard on nostalgia for this one. There's some movies out there where that's good and fun and that's what we want. For this one, you've got so much going on. Like JJ said, there's so much interesting stuff that could have been, but you, the Merovingian didn't need to come back in his like homeless form of, yeah, it was just weird. It wasn't necessary. They're trying too hard to do be nostalgic and pull all these different elements in when what they should have done is take a few core elements and build a new story off of it. Like give it the nostalgia just enough to be beneficial to the story without overtaking it. So that was one of the things that I was frustrated with. And man, I think I just didn't lower my expectations enough. I should have come in with slower expectations and maybe I would have enjoyed it more. I will say like, yeah, the first half of the movie, the way they're controlling Neo is super clever and smart. And I, I enjoyed that for the most part from a plot perspective. But man, the last 30 minutes or 40 minutes, it turns into like a, not a rom-com, but like a rom action <laughs> where it's this love story between Neo and Trinity, which I don't know. They did it well in the first movies, their connection, like showing how important that was. Whereas this one, it felt like too romantic in a way. It was kind of weird. And then finally, the very ending when they bring Trinity in. And I feel like they're trying to prove to me she's a badass, which you did in three movies. You don't need to prove that she's a badass to me. I get it. Trinity is. But when he's throwing out line of like, can't you control her? And it's just, it felt stupid to me, those lines. So anyways, that's it. I'm going to give it a two. I don't plan on rewatching it, but I'm excited to watch The Matrix again and kind of get this taste out of my mouth. <laughs> you just gave it a two? Yeah. Wow, that is that's high. For uh, yeah. Ian's always been a generous hater. You know that it's a really dog shit movie <laughs> if Ian drops below like a one, one and a half. 
Yeah. And that movie is real shit. He's probably the most accurate raider of all of us. <laughs> like the three of us. I don't go know like, if accurate, but maybe consistent. Consistent. That's, I think that's more what I meant was consistent. The rest of us get all emotional and shit. So yeah, Javier, I don't have the balls to kill a character in D&D. I don't have the balls to rate a Matrix movie <laughs> below a two. <laughs> I can't wait to DM. I'm going to kill all of you guys. First That's encounter, so TPK, re-roll, baby. That's the type of campaign we're running. That's hilarious. <laughs> Come with two characters. <laughs> all right, Matson, give us your rating on the Matrix Resurrections. Yeah, I'll be quick. 2.5 for me. There's a lot about this movie... The nostalgia, having a lot of same characters. It's the Matrix. For those of you who like the originals, like I talked about in the spoiler free, go see it. But if you're like an Ian and you want to leave it in lore and leave it alone, maybe you don't want to. I thought it was interesting in Rotten Tomatoes. The critics gave this, I like guess, 64 and the audience gave it a 63. So it's, it's rare that I feel like they're that in line. And I think that's that's where this movie is at. Like we've talked about, there's a lot of things this movie missed upon that I'm not going to dive into again there's some things that this movie landed upon and i think that's reflective of where i'm at we've and again i always go back to some of the worst movies we've we've ever seen this is not a cry macho this is not a she dies tomorrow this is it's probably more like a red notice that we we kind of saw where it's not bad it's not great but it wasn't that i was entertained i love the matrix so much and i wanted it to be more than it was but it wasn't enough to dissuade me from giving it a lower rating so it's middle of the road it needed more action. I wanted to see more of the the old Matrix in the way I wanted to, where some of my counterparts like the new sexy Matrix, and that's okay. And so I think I think you're gonna fall around where where I rate it. So two point five, it's okay. Maybe wait to see it once you can stream it. But I guess we're gonna get another one. Maybe they say no, but probably if it makes money. Manson's rating just made me realize something that I don't know if I'm proud about because he said like if you're like Ian, then you probably just shouldn't watch it. I just realized I'm the cipher of our podcast group because <laughs> ignorance is bliss. <laughs> I like it. Hey, there's nothing wrong he, he with being blue Joey, Joey Pants, man. Nothing wrong with being <laughs> Joey Pants. The blue pill. I'm pounding blue pills. Pounding blue pills. Knocking those fuckers back. <laughs> All right, Javier, bring us home, buddy. Which, those pills are huge, dude. I didn't... Ow. Are they that big in the first movie? <laughs> They're like... They look like Advil liquid gels in the first movie. This one, they look like freaking probes. Like, <laughs> how do you swallow that? That's why he drank an entire glass of water in the first movie, just to get that sucker down. <laughs> um, so I think Ian kind of nailed it on the head with the nostalgic part. Like, I think we're all looking forward to some nostalgic parts of this movie. But it, they did it so much that it's like we're telling the same story, right? Like we have Neo in an office building, escaping from an office building. We have Morpheus handing him a pill. The Trinity Neo love story, which I'm like, dude, he dug a bullet out of her in like the second movie. Like we we get it. We understand the lengths that he's going to go through for her. We don't need to rebuild that story. So it just almost seemed like they went so far that they're retelling the story. We're not telling a new story. And the parts where they did tell a new story, they glossed over it in a couple of lines. And they're like, all right, we're back to the original story. And I feel like they just missed the mark. They missed on like, they almost were making fun of that movie in this movie where it's like, The Matrix was cool because it was new. 
It made you think about stuff. It made you question things. It, and if it wasn't doing that, at least at face value, the action was awesome. And you just didn't really have any of that in this movie. And for that, for a Matrix movie, I was disappointed. For just like a movie, for just like an average movie, like Matt's been saying, if you were to just compare it to an average movie, it's not terrible. Like you'll be somewhat entertained throughout throughout it. But in the context of a Matrix movie, I was disappointed. So I'm going to give this a two though. Trying to morph those two together. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to meet with Ian. That's why I was surprised. I was like, Ian, like, for how much you dislike this I movie? Like I should drop my rating. You should have dropped your rating. <laughs> it's like, you're barely worse than Matt's. <laughs> I'm going to give it a two. I think if you're a Matrix fan... You're going to watch it and you're going to be like, oh, yeah, like, that was parts of it were cool, unique, entertaining. And, but I think if you're a Matrix fan, you're going to come to the same conclusion that most of us do, which is like, they could have made a cool movie and they didn't. Agreed. There it is. Bunch of twos and me. No. <laughs> and a three. But a three a isn't three. like remarkable either. No. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, for me, I think it was just I was surprised at how entertained I was at the first You're half. only one point higher than Ian. Yeah, who was like, yeah. <laughs> what would you rather do, Ian, than watch this movie again? <laughs> to be fair, though, I, I don't know that I could say this is worse than like White House Down. Oh, not even close. All right. Well, there it is. That's Matrix Resurrections. Uh, Honestly, next- a Chrome rocket launcher would have made sense in the Matrix. That's fair. fair. (laughs) I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Oh, you're good. You're good. Next week, we're going to be reviewing The King's Man. So tune in for that. We're looking forward to it. It'll be fun. And Mattson, why don't you tell everybody where they can find us when they're not watching us or listening to us? When you are not stuck in the Matrix or at war with your machine, aka your computer or your phone, come listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. Please, as JJ remarked at the beginning of this podcast, leave us a review, especially if you listen to us on Spotify. They have a new review, five-star system. We would love to get a review from you. We love doing this and we want to be supported and continue to get our voice out to the masses. Check us out at whatsourverdict.com to see what's up and coming for our next episodes. Chime in and leave us a comment. And then as always, Facebook and Instagram at What's Our Verdict. Check us out to see what we're going to be posting there. And thank you so much for all the listens and a great 2021. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We'll see you in 2022. Next episode's this episode's 2022. So welcome to the new year. Yeah. Cool. Appreciate it. We appreciate you tuning in as always. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye now. Bye. Cinemagic out.